It's all about perspective with your hosts, Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos and Principal Robert Hinchliffe. Join us as we discuss education from various points of view. Take the challenge of listening to see if your opinion changes. But no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Welcome back to It's All About Perspective podcast with me, Abby, from Kindergarten Chaos, and my co-host. And I am Robert from Thompson Elementary School, and we are glad to be back. Yes, we're sorry that we were not here last week. We didn't release an episode last week, Um, but we're back. We're back and ready to chat. Absolutely, and we are Thankful because we just had a thousand downloads. So thank you very much. Yes. We appreciate that. Yay. Yeah, uh, thank you. I know a thousand. It's amazing. Make sure you hit download before you listen. Absolutely. Right. And don't. That is helpful. And always, if you can leave a review, it just helps us. It just boosts us a little bit. This is just something that um, we love to do. We love to talk about it. We're both pretty passionate about education and just talking about the topics and coming up with our personal resolutions from our perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I think today something that's been in the paper a lot here in Las Vegas and I see on our school district Facebook pages is grading reform. And I saw a post actually today that somebody said that, um, the expectation over the summer is that you'll watch PD on the new grading reform system, but, um, there's the expectation is that you'll do it on your own time. So I'd love to know what you as a principal, if you can explain to our listeners about the new grading reform here in our district, and then um, what your thoughts are on it. So the main highlights of grading reform, as I see it, are essentially there is now a minimum F. The district has drawn a line. You must have a minimum F. And you cannot give a grade less than 50% in the grade book. Uh, That's been debated for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really very philosophical, I think, on when you grew up and how you grew up, honestly. Um, But that's one change. Another change is no extra credit, which I am completely on board for because, you know, why don't we get the credit that you should get rather than extra credit? Um, Those are the two main ones um, that I see. Another another, um, thing is uh, the opportunity to retake assessments, summative assessments. So if you bomb a summative, then you have the opportunity to retake it no matter what. So You do or you are, don't? You do. Every school has to offer that option for students so that if they have one bad test, they can retake it to show if they do have mastery of a standard. Okay, so... And let me ask you about that one. Okay. How many attempts do you get? I think they have left leeway to where every school can make up their own policy. Uh, you're joking, so, right? No, no, no. <laughs> now, they might come out with some more information and everything's changing all the time in Clark County. So my understanding in the meeting that I was at was that there is going to be guidance for each school to come up with a policy, which there's a lot of ways we can go in this podcast on this. There are some good changes in this policy. However, I think there's a lot of gray area as well. For example, the retake policy, do you let them take it two times, three times, four times? Stuff like that. And I think that's one of the problems I have is is that if you want to make a grading policy, make one. 
so that the district has the exact same standards for grading, no matter what school you go to. Well, I thought that was the that was partially the point of assessments is common assessments so that, you know, we can see if a first grade student is is reading on an adequate first grade level, where if you have some schools that are saying, oh, you only need to, you know, read five sentences and you're a, you've mastered first grade reading, or you have another school that says, no, you have to read, you know, a Junie B. Jones book in order to have mastery. I, that just that just doesn't make sense to me if there's not a standard assessment. So one of my big things about grading is that no matter how much you try to make it objective, it's never going to be 100% objective. There's always going to be subjectivity to it. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that elementary school, at least, an A at Thompson is not an A at another school or another school or another school because there's so many differences in how teachers grade, what assessments are used, the level of rigor in the assessments. Then also, uh, we have um, Infinite Campus where you do your grades. Their subjective can be 80, 90, 100% of your grade. I'm sorry, summatives, not subjective. Summatives can be 80, 90, or 100% of your grade. And then formatives can be 20, 10%, or 0%. So they left that gray area as well. So if I have 0% of uh, formatives counting at Thompson, and then I go down the road to the school next to us, and 20% of their formatives are counting for a grade, then that changes the whole dynamics as well. So they made a policy, but they also left some gray area in there. And I think that maybe they're going to move to getting everybody on board. But right now, I think it is still going to have the effect of a grade is not the same at each school. And then ultimately, as we've discussed in previous episodes, unfortunately, as it stands right now, the scores or the assessments of the school as a whole is depending on the amount of money that you get. And so I just think that is a very slippery slope, you know, when you when you have such uh, variation in schools getting to choose um, between formative and summative in the percentage wise, because if you, you know, like you said, um, if, if a school has 0% informative assessments and you're just going off of the summative assessments, maybe those, uh, maybe that school will have lower scores overall and receive more money, but then you have a school that believes more informative assessments and maybe their scores are are higher and, and you receive less money. I don't know. It just seems like it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I don't worry so much about the money because money is more based upon SBACs and things of that nature. So, again, the things I want to put out there that I think are positive are no more extra credit. For example, I have an eighth grader and she has like 104% in a class. There's no extra credit. You either know the standard or you don't know the standard. It's pretty simple in terms of that if you think of it that way. Now, to be fair, I think, or just honest, I think middle school and high school are the areas that are going to struggle most with this. Mm -hmm. And again, just saying this as an elementary person, having a middle school and high school children, from what I've seen, some, not all, teachers are very old school. You're going to take the test. You get one shot. You get this much time. 
If you know it, great. If you don't, that's your problem. Oh, well, then I'll give you extra credit for writing your name or something like that. I don't know that that's it. Just because I don't want too many Fs in my class, so I'm going to give extra credit. I think the no extra credit rule is excellent, but I think it's going to hurt kids in middle school and high school who are using the extra credit just to get caught up. My my opinion only. We don't have extra mm-hmm. credit at our school. We never had it uh, at Smith. Um, so I think the extra credit thing is a really good thing. I think that the retaking of tests is going to bug a lot of people because we didn't grow up that way. Your test, your spelling test in 1985 was on Friday morning. You were going to take that spelling test. And if you got a 10% or a 20 or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's what you got. You didn't know the words. So the retake Mm -hmm. is going to bug people. The analogy that the district is using, which I think is a good one, is if you go and you take your driver's test and you fail, what do you do? Retake it. And if you fail again, what do you do? You retake it. And in the end, you pass, you have your driver's license. So in the end, you have the exact same driver's license as everybody else. It just took you a few other times, but you showed that you understand how to drive a car and follow the rules and the laws. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very good analogy in terms of grading. Where the rub comes for a lot of the elementary people that I have talked to is how many times can they retake the test? Um, That's something we will have to decide. A teacher at uh, Thompson made a really, really good point, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Okay, and let, I hope it's right along with my thought. Go ahead. Okay, I don't know if it's going to be. You can bring yours up. But she said, here's my problem with this. Grade level is technically a C average. The tests of our envisions are written at grade level. So if a kid gets a 100% on a test written for the grade level – Aren't they technically average? Okay. So when you throw that thought in there, it throws everything into a uh, into a tornado because then you're like, well, what is uh, an A? What is a B? And furthermore, if you're trying to move towards being just standards based, where you're you're graded based upon your mastery of a standard, well, then why don't we go to a standards based report card? Mm-hmm. We're not. We're staying with the old report card, at least as of now. So again, the policy has some good changes, but there's still a lot of ambiguity to it. Uh, well, and what I was going to bring up is on the opportunity to retake an assessment. As a classroom teacher, let me ask you, what about the time? What about the time? It becomes a time issue for me. Like how, you know, typically when when in the classroom, you have built in time for an assessment. Okay, I know it's going to take my students a half hour to complete this assessment. And you might have those one or two that maybe need a few extra minutes. And those early finishers, you have early finisher tubs for them or what have you. Well, okay, so then I take those assessments home and I grade them. Or if it's a if it's a computerized test, it's automatically hopefully done for them and you get the results and then you give them out. And so then the student says, oh, wait, I got a 76, but I want to try it again. So where do you fit that in? Where does it stop? Where does it stop? Yeah, um, you're going to have to develop a policy for your school that has outlines of how many times you can take it, some criteria to retake it. I don't think you can just be like, I got a 76. Oh, I need to retake it tomorrow, Mrs. Peterson. Mm -hmm. And then you get a 77. Oh, I need to retake it tomorrow, Mrs. Peterson. I think there's going to have to be some steps outlined 
so that kids put the time in to show that they have tried to learn um, the concept more and go on. But you're exactly right. Where is the time come? And then also think about it. Kids can make up stuff the whole semester. So you know what's going to happen come December is all of a sudden a whole bunch of kids are going to want to make up assessments from October, November. And the poor teacher is going to have to then grade and copy and somehow figure all this madness out so that kids can retake every test that they have put the time and effort into. And I think it's a a logistical nightmare for teachers until we get a good policy figured out. Well, you brought up something that I would love to talk about and address because of how our grading is here in kindergarten, and that is standards-based grading. So can you explain to our listeners just quickly, a quick little synopsis of standards-based um, assessing assessments? And then I would love to hear your opinion on it. And if, if that is something that you would like to see all of, for instance, elementary school go to, and I'll give you my opinion on it. So when I think about standards-based assessments, so you have your common core state standards, you would give an assessment that covers some of the standards, hopefully more than one on each test. You know, you, I don't think you have enough time to just give a test for each standard. Hopefully people aren't doing that. So you give an assessment on a standard and then basically you would, you know, grade their percent of mastery on that standard. If a report card was standards based, it would have all the standards listed and you would basically move a scale over to how far they have met the standard based upon your assessments. So maybe you move the scale over clear to mastery for some, maybe it's um, beginner for other standards, but then you would have an outline of what standards each kid knows and has mastered And then you could also watch growth slide as well. So when you compared two standards together over time, you could see, have they learned this one? Have they learned that one? Have they grown on these? So I I didn't used to be, but I am much more now a proponent of standards-based report cards because I think you can show growth in all areas much more clearly. Agreed. That's my opinion. And... Okay, so when I first started teaching kindergarten in our district, our um, report cards for kindergarten, they've never been A, B, C, and D, like traditional report cards. But when I first started, it was one, two, three, and four. So it was an exceeds, it was meets, it was approaches, and it was, I'm drawing a blank on the last one, but like needs improvement is basically what it was like. They haven't met the standard. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was that way for, you know, for a long time. And very much like you said, it was at scale. So you would be, you would put on there if they, um, 50 sight words, if they knew 50 sight words, then they would have mastered, they would have a three. If they knew more than 50 sight words, then they would have a four. If they only knew, 25 sight words, then it would be a two. And so then they moved the um, the kindergarten grading to ones and twos. And at, when I first was, was dealing with the ones and twos, I was really frustrated because a one is anywhere from zero to 99%. 
And a two is a 100% is essentially how I view it because it's an either you know it or you don't know it. And then to try to explain to parents, I would say just because they received a one in, you know, um, fluently add and subtract within five doesn't mean that they don't know how. It's just that they're not, they haven't mastered it completely. They still are missing some. They're, you know, it is a, it is a little bit of, like you said, it is subjective to the teacher because some, I know some kindergarten teachers would say, well, if they got eight out of 10, then they considered that mastery, you know, but I will say that I personally liked having the ones and twos rather than A, B, Cs, and Ds, because we get so hung up on the A, B, Cs, and Ds of our generation that it, it panics parents. And, and, and they're so focused in on that A or that B, you know? And so when you take those um, alphabet <laughs> letters away and you give them a number, it changes it a little bit. Even if it's just almost the same thing. It has changes, changed their perspective a little bit. So let me play um, devil's advocate, which is just a fancy way of saying I'm going to give a different perspective. Have a bad <laughs> idea. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are, you know, in our forties when we were younger, if you didn't do it, you got a zero. Yeah, that's it. You didn't do it. It's zero. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't go to work, all of you, know, a whole bunch of listeners are out there. Well, if I don't do my job, I don't get 50% of my paycheck. Right. Okay, yes, I understand that philosophy. That's how we grew up. So it's ingrained in our brains. I hate to let people know this, but kids today are different. Absolutely. The world is different. In a way, everybody gets a trophy. The system that worked for 100 years isn't working now. So do we keep with the system or do we change it? So, I mean, give CCSD a little bit of credit for trying to change mm -hmm. it. However, parents are not going to like it because they're not going to understand minimum Fs if they even pay attention. You know, you're you're getting so many philosophical issues. Oh, you can't grade homework either, mm -hmm. um, which should never be graded anyways. But, you know, we are fighting the whole perception. So, like, when I was at Smith, we tried to take away spelling tests, and I think I convinced enough people to get rid of them. And when we did that, so many parents were like, why isn't there a spelling test on Friday? And I'm like, spelling tests don't really tell you anything. Like cat, C-A-T, cat. You know, why don't you make it a vocab test where you're like an animal that is black and you think about them on Halloween. Oh, cat. Then they write cat. It's more vocabulary based. But people are so stuck in their ways with how we grew up that when they hear the idea of grading reform, it scares them. So a, a guy in the RJ who writes a lot about um, education and a lot of people don't like him for it. Um, he said also, well, why is there any consequences to not doing your work? And, you know, him being in the RJ, of course, he has deadlines. He has to meet those deadlines. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get to publish or get credit for 50 percent of his article if he doesn't turn it in. The world has deadlines and that's just the way it is. So the argument against that is, well, the deadline is not part of the standard. So then we have what's called learner behaviors, where you would get an N in responsibility or an N in meeting deadlines or however you want to say it. So many people out there cannot differentiate mastery towards a standard and mastery towards a learner behavior. 
if a kid doesn't turn any work in, but their IQ is a 180 and they just are so far above and they can take one test and, and show mastery, but they turn no work in, are we going to give them all Fs because they only turned one assignment in? No, we're going to say they have mastery of the standard, but we'll give them an N in the learner behavior of responsibility. That is a very hard thing for parents to understand. To understand and to embrace and to embrace exactly because of, like you said, the way that our school age was and the how we were brought up with A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's. And then you had your E's, S's, and N's. And now, you know, we, we were calling for change and we're calling for um, revolutionizing education and bringing it more into the 21st century. But then we have to do so also with the grading. It can't just be you know, grading stuck from the 70s and 80s and our um, curriculum has changed, it, it doesn't match. And that's what we're trying to do. And we are seeing some changes in curriculum. We are seeing, you know, some evolution. And even parents, I remember when I, my very first year of teaching um, was in 2006 and that I was teaching second grade. And that was still, um, we were, we had not yet moved to Common Core, but I remember when I came back um, to teach kindergarten, the uproar of, you know, going to Common Core and parents are, I mean, even even now, think of all the memes in the last year of parents saying, oh, well, I have no idea how to do this Common Core math. It's so foreign to me. I tried to show my student, you know, how to borrow and carry over. And this, they say, this is not how you're supposed to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we do, we get stuck in our ways and it's hard it's hard to make those changes but change does need to happen because i think it's sticking to the old system has has errors it's hard yeah i mean it's hard on me too again growing up this is how it was you didn't do your work you got a zero you didn't do your work you didn't get paid whatever um you know like another thing that i personally don't understand this is a little bit off topic our weighted GPAs. Well, it's my, okay. So this is an interesting topic because I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how, you know, this person that was the host was saying, man, I was like one of the top students in my school and I only ever had a 4.0. I could never go higher. And he was like, please explain to me. And, you know, they were having this conversation about how, if you take honors classes, that that gives you this higher GPA weight because you are taking this more accelerated, you know, content. So I think it's I think it's really interesting as somebody who my oldest has graduated. I I have this this love hate relationship with education. As a teacher, obviously I have this love for education and for teaching students and for you know for um, educating our future, so to speak. But as somebody who my oldest son, um, very smart kid, but. It got a scholarship, but chose not to go into um, in, in, into college right out of high school. He's decided to go to trade school. And is that okay? That's okay. And, you know, one thing I, I tell him is when he went to go apply to, um, you know, trade school, they didn't care what he got in middle school. And so, like I said, I have this love-hate relationship because we want our kids, you know, we seem to be stuck on these grades are so important and have so much value, but do they really? Yeah. You know, like there's so much passion over grades, 
when reality strikes that grades don't matter until ninth grade when you start figuring out GPAs for college. Some people would say eighth grade because you got to get into certain classes in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're taking, you know, if you're taking accelerated um, classes that count for college. But again, you know, like, are is this a lot of fuss about something that doesn't matter in the end? Does it matter if you have a C in third grade? No. <laughs> It doesn't. Well, it just made me, it just, I, I, a thought came to my mind and it made me chuckle because it becomes the parent's identity. It becomes you as the parents, you know, feeling this, oh my goodness, my kid was the straight A student. Whoop de doo. My, you know, what if your kid isn't the straight A, what if your kid isn't the straight A student? And I have the privilege of raising three kids that are all very different. And my one, my one child who's already graduated, like I said, he was a people pleaser and he would be the extra credit kid. And he would be the one that would go and make, do the extra effort. And then I have my middle one who works really hard and is very average. And she works really hard and does her best, but she's very average. And then I have my youngest who doesn't care. He doesn't care. And he spends more time figuring out how he can skirt the system to get the very minimum. And he doesn't care. And and he has the same parents. And I had to take, I had to remove my identity and say, these are just my three kids. And I can't force them to be fit in these little graded boxes. So when you look at the grading reform for your three kids, Mm -hmm. the people pleaser is going to um, struggle a little bit more now because there's no extra credit. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that doesn't care is going to do less work because he's going to calculate. (laughs) Don't worry. He already does less work. (laughs) He's going to calculate that I only need to do four assignments and get 75 and then I throw my minimum Fs in there and voila, I have a C. And here and which is average. Right. Right. And here is what I would like to see as a parent, like especially with my one who doesn't really care. I would love to have a standards based report card. Cause I want to know if he's learned the content. Really, that's it. Because he struggles, you know, he he would he loves the classes where he's um, having conversation and he's actually doing things. But if you ask him to read a book and report back to you on it, he is not going to. Yeah. I think the majority of elementary people, again, would prefer a standards-based report card because you could then uh, better better grade a student, the whole child, not just a strand or a certain standard. I think most elementary people would now, or at least the ones that understand the concept, Middle and high school, I don't know what they would want. And I don't know if any middle or high school people listen to us, but um, I, I'm not entirely sure what they would want in middle school. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know I've had the experience of having some teachers who are more than willing to help help students out who miss things. I have a student, one of mine, Abby, that <laughs> she doesn't turn things in all mm-hmm. the time on time, although she's getting better. So that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, like even I look at my kids, I mean – it's not going to harm them because I mean, there's not much difference. Actually, there is no difference between a 95 and 103% mm-hmm. in grading, but I get, I get back to it. You know, like parents, if you're listening, grades are important. If 
in my opinion, they're below average because then you know they're they're not learning something they they might need in the future. But if your kid is average or you have a B or an A, that's great. Mm-hmm. But again, if they get a C in first grade, it's okay. They're average. It's just like it's just again, it's this. But that's hard. That that's hard for up. parents because everybody wants to be above average. Everybody wants to be the exception to the rule. Everybody wants to be the celebrity. <laughs> There's a bell curve for a reason. And and I think this is turning into a parenting yeah. <laughs> a parenting podcast. But yeah. I think you just kind of have to embrace. And that that's one of the things that I have loved about actually being like in the um you know, in a kindergarten classroom and dealing with parents is being that voice of reason and that voice of you know, just saying like, it's okay, your child is doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I am very proud of where they're at and not, and, and not, and kind of calming down that panic of, Oh my goodness. I know. Yeah. You know, no, you, you had a student once that, um, had ease in art and PE, but had an S I think in music, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. something like that. And the parent was like, Oh, my kid doesn't have, and I'm like, not everybody is a Picasso mm-hmm. and a Mozart and a Michael Jordan wrapped into one. Right. You know, right. You're not everybody is that. So again, just relax. But educators, I mean, you're out there, you know, parents are wrapped up in grades. And again, I keep I keep going back to like, is it really is the reform going to really change anything? Probably not. Uh, we'll see. But is it worth people getting so fired up about that? They're like having fights or like arguing with people. No, I don't think so either. I think in the end, it'll just be another thing. We'll all get used to, we'll all move on. Mm -hmm. And, and then eventually they'll change it again because we have to adjust the times. Um, but we'll just to the there. expectations, I mean, and 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 if you're if you yeah. think about it, you know, for instance, when when I went to kindergarten in 1985, the st- the expectations were, I'll never forget this. We all had ribbons hanging on the wall, and it when you learned to tie your shoes, you got a little shoe that you stapled on the ribbon. When you learned your address. You, you got a little house that was stapled on the ribbon. Those were the standards. That's not the standards anymore. The expectations no. are much higher. And so sometimes we're comparing, again, our experiences as a student to where our children are as students. And it's completely different. They didn't have robotics when I went to school. They didn't have... We didn't have robots. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. You speak for yourself in yeah, the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we had Teddy Rubs- Rubskin. He was a yeah, robot. <laughs> you know what's interesting too, I just had a thought, is how many parents are going to be upset because now they have someone who's a senior that struggled with the old grading system and now an eighth grader that's going in that might not struggle and they're upset because something happened there. Like you have parents all the time that compare their kids. Well, my kid needs to be straight A's because his older brother was. And the parents just don't understand that every kid's different. You just don't. Yeah. Parenting advice number 643 of this episode. And that is don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. And and as a teacher, as an educator, and as a parent myself, every student, every child is their own person. And I have had students come in after I had a sibling and the parent would say, oh, they're nothing like 
so-and-so. And then that child is standing there listening and it's not fair to them. Let them be their own, let them be their own. And, and my own personal um, child that is the one that just really doesn't care about school. We are, we're like, he's going to be the one that ends up with his own business because he is, you know, they just think differently and that's okay. We need to accept that. But that's one of the downsides of the old system is everybody looks at A's, B's and C's. If you had a standards-based report card, then you can see the positives of this child and this Mm -hmm. child and this child. And this one knows their facts and this one knows their sounds and this one knows their letters. That one didn't know the letters, but this one does. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. great. You know, again, there's so many more categories that you could positively reinforce with a kid if you went standards based, but the A, B, C, D, F system, why did they skip E? I never understood that. But um, the A, B, C, D, F system, it it's just, it's kind of mm-hmm. archaic and antiquated and, and the change, the change would be good if they got rid of it. It's a, it's an interesting topic. Grading reform has happened, you know, all across the country. I can't help but wonder if it's, it's if it was um, because there's a lot of hurt feelings out there and that's why we have to change it. Um, you know, they'll, they'll say there's a lot of research behind it. I would love to hear from other teachers that are in other districts and um, places across our country to chime in and leave mm-hmm. um, comments on our Instagram posts. And let us know what you think, you know, are you in a standards-based, um, you know, school or district? Tell us what you think, because as we know. In the end, it's all about perspective. Every time. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We would love to hear your perspective on this episode. Head over to our Instagram page, It's All About Perspective 2021, or our Facebook and Twitter page and share your opinion. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. And one last thing, remember, it's all about perspective. Perspective.